Hebrews chapter 11, please. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read the first three verses, and then we'll turn to Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll read the first three verses this morning. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Our second reading is in chapter 12. And verse 1 to 3. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Let us pray. Father, we thank you that we can come and gather this morning to worship you and to praise you and to thank you for your blessed Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for his death at Calvary, the place of the skull which is Golgotha. We thank you for the precious blood that flowed from Emmanuel's veins. We thank you, Lord, this morning that we're saved and we're washed and clothed and sitting in our right minds because of him. We thank you we're no longer on the broad road to destruction. We're no longer, Lord, bound and destined for a lake of fire, but rather we're glory-bound headed for the kingdom and we thank you lord that you're coming again and lord we look we watch we wait and we pray for the coming of thy son oh father will you send him again soon will you send him soon lord and we pray lord that you lord would send thy spirit forth into every heart this morning send thy spirit forth across our land across ulster this morning across ireland this morning and the british isles Wherever and whoever is watching live or later, we pray for their land, for their nation. We pray, O oh God, that you would move, Lord, in sovereign grace and power. And, O oh Lord, that you would build us all up in our most holy faith and draw many sinners to Christ. Father, we we'll love you because you first loved us and you gave us the best of heaven. You give us the Lord Jesus Christ. So we thank you and we praise you. We magnify your name and we bless you. And we tell you there's none like you nor none else beside thee. And so, Father, we pray that you would now speak to our hearts and encourage your people. Lord, heal any sick that's here this morning, Lord. And we pray, oh God, for those that are weak in faith, you'd strengthen them. Those that are down, you'd lift them. Lord, those who are wayward, you'd draw them. And those who are unsaved, you'd save them. For, Lord, you can do all things exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think of you. For we know there's nothing too hard for the Lord, nothing too difficult for thee. So show thy mighty hand and make thy mighty arm bare. And we pray and ask it in Jesus' precious and worthy name. Amen. I want to speak this morning 
on the topic of the framework of faith. The framework of faith. Now, brothers and sisters, faith to be saved is from God. It's nothing we muster up ourselves. It's not wasteful thinking as some would like to have it. Thought so who are unsaved. But faith in Christ. Faith to come as a repentant sinner. Faith to draw you through the Spirit. Faith to believe in the precious blood is more than enough to cleanse us from our sins. Faith is from God. Our faith is from Him. Imputed to us and given to us. It's nothing we have mustered up. Nothing we have conjured up. And it's nothing from ourselves, but all is from him. If you're saved this morning, now if you're saved this morning, you're blood washed this morning, you're blood bought this morning, then the faith that's in your heart, the faith that you have in you now, is faith that has been given from Almighty God himself. Hebrews 11 is known as faith's hall of fame. Theologians and Bible scholars call it that, faith's hall of fame. Uh, The word faith, the English word faith, is mentioned some 24 times in the chapter. And so when we think of it, it is a, a chapter of faith. But that chapter of faith, chapter 11, runs right into the beginning of chapter 12. Wherefore? In other words, looking back at chapter 11, the word wherefore means look back at the previous verses, Look back at the previous conversation, seeing we are also encompassed with such a great cloud of witness, so great a cloud of witness. It is not clouds. It's not your loved ones hanging over the balcony of heaven and looking down at you. No, they are not, brothers and sisters. They are not. What sort of a heaven would it be if your loved one who was saved would be looking over from heaven's uh, balcony, as it were, and looking down from the battlements of the glorious city? What, what sort of a heaven would it be if they're watching you struggling in life or watching you sick? What sort of a heaven would it be for them? They're not watching you. And we must be aware that many of these ideas that if you want to call it uh, people with superstitions superstitions believe in and listen mainly in the Protestant denominations or the Protestant so called people I should call it those who claim to be a Protestant and they know nothing about Protestantism they're born into that sort of family. Many, including my own, think feathers are from an angel that has passed through, that they have found. It is not from an angel that coins that have been left, five pences, ten pences, have, are saying that this is from an angel that's visited and this is to let us know that their presence is here, or even a loved one, friend, brother, sister. That is a lie from the devil. They are not there. They are not watching you. What sort of a heaven would it be for them if they saw you in your struggles, in your fight? These things are just lying spirits who are telling people these things. We must be careful for then the conjuring up of the dead is like praying to the saints in the Roman church. The saints are not able to pray for you that are dead 
that is. The saints who have passed the scene of time and died are not in glory interceding for you. But rather, there is one who intercedes for his own, and that is our great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. The great cloud of witnesses in chapter 12 is looking back to the faith of those who have went before us and left a cloud, as it were, of witness and faith. And it is written down through the chapter, and it continued on in the early church, and it continued on through the Reformation, and it continues on to this day, where men and women of faith have left a legacy behind for their families, for their loved ones, for their society, and for you and I. So now we must stop and ask ourselves, what is the legacy that you are leaving for your children? What is the legacy that you're leaving for your loved ones? You see, whenever we uh, think of this past year, our uh, our whole year of the whole COVID era, era, if you want to call it, brothers and sisters, if if you were in my shoes or or a, a leader's shoes in the church, you know what you would find? you find that people, Christians, people who were, uh, we we will take our stand and sing in the old anthem songs and choruses and hymns who were going to take their stand and sing all the anthems, we'll we'll rather die than give in and all of this. They have waned so much in their faith. The legacy they're leaving for their children is that their children don't even want to come now. And their faith had been tested. And many, many, many Christians have thought, well, I'll sit at home. Excuse after excuse until their heart is so low. And their faith has been, as it were, so damaged that now their faith in Christ is so little. God is allowing this to happen to sift the church here. Why the devil may try his best. God is still on the throne, brothers and sisters. What is the legacy you have given to your children? Is there a legacy at home of faith in Christ that when a, when a, a calamity comes to the house, that if that calamity or that upset comes, does the whole house go in disarray? Do we become bitter in heart and angry in spirit? And our children, whether they're growing children or little children, do they pick up in this and that's what they're going to grow up like? Rather than having faith in Christ. Rather than saying, you know what, we will keep on trusting the Lord. We will keep walking with the Lord. We will still open the Word of God and we will still read the Word and we will believe the Word and we will continue to follow on in the Word. Or has this whole year been a year of fear? Faithless and fear. The legacy, the legacy that is left in, in chapter 11 runs right into chapter 12. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. I think of when I would read some of the books of the reformers. They're tied to a stake and the faggots are piled up around them ready for the burning. And rather than giving in, as it were, 
rather than uh, yielding their allegiance to the papacy in Rome, but saying that Christ is the head of the church, and rather than saying that Christ is the only king of heaven and earth, and rather than saying it's for Christ, his crown and covenant, rather than, rather than giving that up and saying that the Pope has all of these things, they gave their lives. And today, Christians, many Christians in this society of our day and hour that we are living in, Many Christians are saying, well, you can't really mention the Reformation anymore because if we mention the Reformation, you're being bigoted. Brothers and sisters, we wouldn't have this without the Reformation. We wouldn't be here without the Reformation. Men and women had to take a stand. And men and women had to believe in what the Bible said. By the way, the word bigot, you know where it comes from. Rome used to call the reformers the bigotten of God. And it was shortened to bigotes. And then to bigots. So the early early reformers were called the bigots. They're saying they're begotten of God. Brother, sister, this morning, are you begotten of God? Are you begotten of God? Did God come into your life? And did God quicken your heart, the Holy Spirit of God? Did he come and did he make you alive unto Christ? Did God do that for you? Did God show you your sin? Did God show you the Son of God paying your debt and shedding his blood? Did God do it all? Did God draw you? And did God save you? Are you begotten of God? Then you're a bigot. What a badge of honor to wear. I'm begotten of God this morning. Notice this faith carried through from the early church right the whole way through, and it goes, reverses back right until Abel, when he came to the Lord. When Abel came with the offering of the blood of the Lamb. It was by faith it happened. God told him how to come through Adam. Here's how you come, shed blood. And Cain and Abel came, one with the works of the field, his hands, and the other by faith in why God has told him to come. Brothers and sisters, just yesterday I was speaking to a very dear pastor friend of mine from Dublin. I'll not mention his name, but you know probably who it is. Speaking to him yesterday for an hour maybe. This man, he's a Dubliner through and through. He was a Roman Catholic, brought up in the Roman Catholic faith, and he got gloriously saved 17 years ago. Now he pastors a church. You know what he says? He says, the ecumenism down here, he says, is rife. For people believe we are all on the one thread. It is only a matter of time 
before the church loses the faith once delivered unto the saints in its entirety. It is only a matter of time before we have the Chrislam movement, Christ and Islam. Listen, Judeo-Christianity isn't right either. Nor is ecumenism right. This book plainly tells me Christ died for our sins. Christ died for you, brother. Christ died for you, sister. And only Christ can save you. It's all in him. Would you say amen? Church, it's all in him. He has paid our our debts. Notice the faith we are leaving behind. How many times... How many times over the years, those have been with me for a long time, but how many times have I warned of things that were coming because the scriptures said it and others told me that I was a headball? The scriptures tell us these things will happen and these things will come. And the scriptures are plainly pointing us that we are in the time in the running to the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, brother, sister, what legacy, what cloud of witness, or what type of cloud are you leaving for your family? Well, my type of cloud is, is I'm just going to sit at home in stupor. And that's how your children will react. There are four portions, four parts in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Verses 1 to 3, if you're writing down, write down. It's the explanation of faith. Here's your framework. The explanation of faith. Secondly, from verses 4 until 40, we have the operation of faith. The operation of faith. And then in chapter 12 and verse 1, we start off with the observation of faith. The observation of faith. And then in chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, we have the foundation of our faith. The foundation of our faith. So first of all, what does the Word of God say about biblical faith? Now notice I said biblical faith. The word, English word, faith in the scriptures is mentioned 247 times in 231 verses. And I said biblical faith because there's a different, uh, it's different than other faith. What do I mean by that? Well, it's different from other religions' faith. And it's different from the faith that many of us have for everyday living. Stay with me to show you. No, see, there's some people have a, in their everyday living, you know, a great faith, yet they're not, they've no faith in Christ. Most people, and they don't even realize it. For example, let me give you just a, a faith for every day. Do you know your faith 
You have a faith. And I don't mean biblical faith. But you have a faith that when you get up and when you turn on a water top, you believe, this is in, of course, our Western world, you believe that the water will flow because someone's already working there. You have faith in them to give you water, electricity. You have faith in the chair with the screws that are in it that the screws will hold your weight and that you will be all right because you sit on it, you don't think about it. Such a great faith in something that may break on you sometime. You have faith when you get on a bus or a train or even an aeroplane that that pilot or driver is going to take you and get you to your destination. And sometimes, unless there's turbulence, we don't really think too much about it. See, we're just going. That's it. It's done. It's dusted. It's over. We're settled on that. I'm going on my holiday. It's going to be if you have your your COVID vaccination passport, you maybe get away. That's the way things are going now. But we have, our faith is in something without even realizing it. And yet when it comes to a faith that will never let us down, that is faith in Christ. We struggle. It's not just, well, you, you, you love me. You, you died for me. You shed your blood for me. You said it. That settles it, so I'll believe it. We struggle with it. We argue with it. We argue about it. And, and we, we, we don't get out of bed sometimes because of it. How I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. And we get our feelings mixed up with our faith. Now, we're human beings. We have feelings. And when we're saved, as one old Puritan says, God does not take away our feelings, but sometimes catches us up in them in worship. But we have a faith in everyone and anything else, but we will not have a faith in Christ. That is as great because we just believe it. That chair will hold me. My car will start. And listen, cars then don't start and chairs break through and the water doesn't come and the electricity switched off and we're all upside down and our lives are a mess. Yet we've, we've put so much trust in it. But in Christ... In Christ, our faith, our faith that we say, oh, I'm, I, I've no real faith, I'm terrible with faith, I'm weak in faith. And we're all like that. Listen, men of great faith and women of great faith in the inventions of man. Men and women of great faith in the textbooks of man. We hear a lot nowadays, trust the science, don't we? Science changes every other week. Isn't that true? Science is always revising itself and renewing itself because they've realized they were wrong at the first time. And so they go again, and then they're wrong again, so they go again. And they say, trust the science, but science is wrong. By the way, science says that the earth was formed with a big bang. Do you trust the science there? No. And then our reading Hebrews 11 and verse 3. For by faith we understand that the words were framed by the word of God. In other words, our faith is that God created all things. Isn't that right? And yet our faith is small, so sometimes so small. 
put their faith in textbooks and they put their faith in everything else but in Christ. The first mention of the English word faith is in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 20. And you can read it when you get a chance. I am just going to mention one part of it. Deuteronomy 32 and verse 20. And it's to do with a case, in the case of people who have no faith. And it says, in whom is no faith, it says. In whom is no faith. That have faith for other things. They have faith for other gods. They have faith for idols, stone and wood. They were bowing down to it. They have faith enough to even to deliver their babies onto Molech, the god of Baal. But they don't have faith in the living God. See, when people, atheists, a lot say, I have no faith. You heard Stephen Nolan on the other week looking for his faith. He's faith in everything else. Think about this. He's faith for everything else. Take note. In whom is no faith, God said. And it made me think of Luke 18 and verse 8. Listen to what the Lord Jesus says, speaking of himself in the second coming. He says, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Of course he'll find faith on the earth. But what sort of faith? Faith in whom and faith in what? He'll find all different religions faith. He'll find faith in man's invention, faith in man's textbook. He'll find faith man in man. He'll find faith in man's ideologies. He'll find all of those. And listen, all of those faiths will be shown to be untrue. And all of those faiths, when he returns, they're all going to be vanquished. And Christ will be Lord of all. Shall he find faith on the earth. The idea is, shall he find the faith? The faith. Will he find faith in you? The faith should he come or call? Will he find that you're striving on to love him, to know him more, to serve him? The Apostle Paul, you know what he says? He mentions his whole lineage. Then he says, but that I might know him. And the power of his resurrection. And everybody's hallelujah. Praise the Lord, Paul. The Holy Ghost is the power of his resurrection. But he says, and the fellowship of his sufferings. So if Christ was to come back today, or when Christ comes, or if he calls, what faith will he find in those this morning? And what faith will he find in CET Church? Is it a faith of, well, ach, take it or leave it time? That's what's come in this last year to the church. 
that is what has come into the church. Act will take it or leave it. You know, now it's, it used to be on a Sunday night. It used to be on a Sunday night. When I was even in secular work, before I was saved, people would have come. We're having the meeting tonight. Would you come along? Would you like to come along? Come up, say, Nigel, it was me. You say, Nigel, do you want to come along to the meeting tonight? We're having a gospel meeting. There's a great testimony or great preacher in the night. Do you want to come along? I used to know. I didn't want to know. But the believers used to try and coax and persuade the unsaved to come out because they believed what they believed. And, and comfort and easy living and political correctness and government interference and everything else has come into the church. And what has happened? Their faith has been tried and is being tested and many are falling. Fear has taken over their faith. used to be we would have been asked out the meetings. The believers were trying to get the non-believers out to church to a meeting. Now we're now trying to G up the Christian to get them out the church to the meeting. Isn't that true? I thank the Lord. We had a great night here on Wednesday night at the prayer meeting. A great turnout for a midweek meeting. I thank the Lord with a good turnout on a Wednesday night too. I thank the Lord for these things. Brothers and sisters, where are we? You know, in, in Northern Ireland here, the sun shines and we're glad to see it because we don't see it that much. Isn't that true? When the sun shines, it's everybody out for the Irish suntan. Roll up your sleeves and you get your arms done. But the Christians have now come to the point where it's no longer home from church and barbecue. It's spend the rest of the evening in the garden rather than say it's time for the church. Time for the meeting. Do we, church, please, this isn't a condemnation. I'm trying. I've only started the first couple of lines of this. So do maybe part two next week. If there's anybody left when you come by next week. Do we, church, do you, do I, be honest within ourselves? Do we really have the faith? Do we really believe what we say we believe? Do we really say we believe in God, but do we really mean that we believe in God? You know, maybe if we really did believe what we said we believed, then maybe, just maybe, we would be more fervent, more passionate, more grateful. Do you believe in a lake of fire? I do. Then maybe we'd be more passionate. Not only about reaching others, but maybe we'd be more passionate in our own lives because gratitude for him drawing us off 
the broad road. Do we really believe it? I feel I just want to let it sink into all our conscience and our hearts. Do we really believe it? I mean, really? Do you really believe what you say you believe? Or is it we believed it and it's died? Do we really believe it? Do you really believe it? Or have we all got to the place where it's a church thing? It's a church thing. Boy, I'm glad that tense up we can get to worship. And then within a few weeks, boy, I'm glad he shut up the eye at home. Is our character at home? Our character, who we are at home, it should be governed by our faith in Christ and who he is. Is our character at home the witness, the cloud of witness that we would leave? Not only for our children, but our spouse. Is that at home? What, what way is that? What about behind closed doors? What about behind pulled blinds? What about where no one knows? What about when no one sees? How is our witness? How is our faith? Do we believe what we say we believe? And in whom we believe in. Notice here, will the Lord find faith when he returns? Of course he will. But what sort of faith? Although in Deuteronomy 32 and 20 we have the first mention of the English word faith, it doesn't mean to say that's where faith began. Because we're told it didn't begin there, it began at the garden of Eden. I'm hearing a wee rustling here. Is it my, this connection here? I think it's one of this, is it? Hebrews 11, verses 4 to 40, we have the operation of faith. The operation of faith. Notice what it says in verse 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Notice it was by faith the sacrifice was made and offered. Notice when we read about Cain and Abel, Cain brings, as it were, the fruit of the ground. In fact, other biblical sources may tell you that Cain not only brought the fruit of the ground, but he brought the worst of the crop. Whether that's true or not, we don't know. But either way, Cain's greatest and best work are at most humanistic Nothing short of being humanist. We have biblical faith in Abel and we have humanistic faith in Cain. Listen to Thomas Brooks. He writes, Till men have faith in Christ, 
Their best services are but glorious rags. Isn't that so true, Christian? Till men have faith in Christ, their best services are but glorious rags. And outside of Christ, outside of him, when we think we work, it doesn't matter if you go to Calcutta and spend and devote your life. It's a good work. It's a, it's a good thing to do. But it means nothing in the realms of glory. Our works are like filthy rags unto God. It means nothing to him. It doesn't matter how long we serve and how much we give. It doesn't matter what we do outside of Christ. It's in Christ. When he directs our service, our work, and our faith, that through that faith we're saying, Lord, I'm doing this because I love you. Why are you here this morning? You're here because you have faith in your heart operating in you. You're here this morning because faith has got you up out of bed and faith has said to your flesh, I'm not going to lie on and pull my duvet over my head and pretend it's a Saturday morning. You're here because your faith, the faith that God has given to you, the faith that's in your heart, you're here because God has said to be here. Because God has told you that you are to come to this tent this morning. That's why you're here and in this place. Your flesh says, make a fry up and stay at home. Go get the papers in the shop and read the papers. Nothing but nonsense, media rags, anyhow. Nothing but lies. Stories and fabrication and and people read them and see them and, and they look at them and, you know, they fill their heads with it. You know what happens? Their faith decreases, their fear increases, and all they have their head full of rubbish. Brothers and sisters, the media... The MSM, I'm learning all these, t- these things, the MSM, I wondered what it was for a long time. I thought it had to do with some of Marks and Spencer or something. The mainstream media are polluting your children. The mainstream media are polluting your children's minds and mine. The mainstream media are communist, atheistic, godless. You remember that. And everything you hear, there's always more underneath it. There's far greater things behind it. And you remember even those little lovely programs your children are watching. The mainstream media are programming your children. Here's what they do. They program your children. And they tear faith out from them. Anything that you would maybe try and give them as a Christian mommy or daddy. And they take it out from them. And they put into them everything they want to program them to be when they grow up. So when they go to school and college and university, by the time they're finished, they will be fully godless and they'll be on a road to hell. They are Marxist. They are communist. They are godless. But notice this. Biblical faith was in able Humanist faith, my hands, my digging, my waiting, 
my growing, my taking, my offering. Humanistic offering to God is nothing but filthy rags. And I love it whenever we look at the operation of faith between verses 4 and 40. By faith, Abel, by faith, by faith. But it's as though the, the, they've only started off by faith, Abel, verse 5, by faith, Enoch. And then verse 6, it's as though the curtains pulled back for a few moments. It's as though the, 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 the Spirit is trying to grab hold of you this morning and draw you close. The Spirit is trying to grab hold of your heart this morning to waken you up. Spirits grabbing hold of us like opening the curtains and the light shining in, beaming right through. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Ah, thank you, Lord, for waking us up. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. I must close this up soon. And I think I'll do part two next week in the Lord's will. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For him that cometh to God must believe that he is. That means, first of all, you must believe he exists. Now, that seems very glibly read over. And to say he must believe he exists, well, there you are, God exists. The devils know God exists, you know that. The devil believes in God. He knows he exists. The idea here is that God not only exists, but God is God, the living God Almighty, and you know him. You know him. Do you know him? Does he know you? Ah, God knows everyone. Yes. But to know in an intimate manner, in a saving fashion, in an intimate way, to know God, you're no greater of faith than the devil. To know there's a God, you're of no greater of faith than the demons of hell. To say you know God is not enough. It's to know him, the Christ of God. For the devils believe, James tells us, and they tremble. The curtain comes back and he wakens up the reader. He wakens up with a shout, but without faith. It is impossible to please him. For them that cometh unto God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. See the word diligently? It gives the idea of, a, of someone picking up bits and pieces of information to put them together like a jigsaw piece puzzle would be put together to get the full picture. Like a detective would do to get the full picture for conviction. He says, you want to know God? then you got to diligently seek him, brother. Sister, you got to diligently seek him. It means to pursue and keep on going and pick up the pieces. Pick up every single little piece like your jigsaw till you get it all in order. 
Look through the Word. Listen to the Word. Do the Word and not just hear the Word. And pray and seek His face. Get into fellowship. You're getting the little pieces of Christ together. And there He is! And there He is. And He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I want to leave you with this thought and we'll maybe look at more next week. First of all, the explanation of faith, Hebrews 11. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You can write there, faith for the present. Faith for the present. Notice, now faith. He's speaking about faith right now in the heart. Faith for the present. And notice what he says then. For by it, that is by faith, the elders obtained a good report. And there you can write faith for the past. Looking back as Hebrews 11, or pardon me, 12, looking back at Hebrews 11 does. Look, we can look back and gather and say that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, on today, on forever. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. And so we understand that since he's the same God then, he's the same God now. He's the one who saved. We read about it in the we read about it in the scriptures. He's the one who heals. We read about it in the scriptures. He's the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. We read about it in the scriptures. And now, when we get to the verse three, through faith, that means how we get through things. Our faith. We understand that the words were framed by the word of God. In other words, we know that God created the world. How am I going to get through? How am I going to manage? How things are going to be? How am I going to get peace? How am I going to get rest? What am I going to do, Lord? How are we going to build this? Where's it all going to come from? What about my bills, my mortgage, my finances? What about this and that and the other? He says, look back, I'm the same. Now you have faith in your heart. Move on in God. He says, I created the whole world and you're worried about something so small. So, that is faith that will carry you through. So this lady at the drive-in, Christian lady, godly lady, came through a hard time, just wanted a wee assurance of her faith on Sunday night, because feelings, she'd been through a lot, an awful lot, feelings had taken over. When I sat down with her, I says, you know what? You're not saved by your feelings. You're saved by grace through faith. And if I was to be lost every time I felt bad, I'd be lost an awful lot. Isn't that true, brother, sister? There's some mornings I get up and I just don't feel saved. I don't feel like it. I don't feel this or I don't feel that. 
and I feel maybe even a bit lower than I was yesterday and a bit down and a bit of pressure is coming and all this and your feelings is what you go on people, we are human beings we go on how we feel your feelings are real by the way I'm not saying that you don't have feelings I'm not, I'm not uh, disparaging them I'm not trying to make little of that we're all human beings of feelings and some more expressive than others and that's alright but it's not your f- your salvation does not rest on how you feel your salvation is in your faith in Christ you might say my faith is so small well your faith got you up this morning and brought you here. Now faith is a substance. That substance brought you here. This framework of faith starts with the explanation, then the operation, the observation, and the foundation. And what is the foundation of our faith? It's looking on to Jesus. Looking on to Jesus. There's our foundation. And you might feel wrong, you might feel bad, you might feel one way or another this morning. Listen, it's not about your feelings in accordance to where you're, who you are with God. You're saved by grace through faith. You're saved because he chose to save you. You're saved because he sent forth his spirit. You're saved because he regenerated your heart. You're saved because he drew you to the cross. You're saved because he sent his son and his son shed his blood for you. You're saved because of God and not because of yourself. Listen, Jesus loves you in spite of you. Jesus loves you in spite of you, not because of you. He loves you because he's decided to love you. But what legacy are we leaving for our children? What legacy is there going to be at home? Brothers and sisters, may God strike something in our hearts this morning that we will live for Christ and serve him with all we have. May God bless this word to us this morning, even challenge us with it. But may God bless us. May God bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen.